Check. Am I on? Amen. Wow. I don't know how I can... Uh, wow. I don't even know if we're to... Let's just wait on the Lord for a second so I can... Boy, God really knows how to change things up, doesn't he? Can you say amen? You know, when we were... This time of prayer and fasting, the Lord has really um, speaking to us. Amen? How many here are partaking in this prayer and fast time? It doesn't necessarily mean you're coming every, every service, but if you're praying and fasting for something, um, even if it's in your home, raise your hand. He's speaking to us, church. Yes. Is he speaking? He's speaking to us. And, and I was just sensing this morning that I was amazed because I got a few texts from Pastor Ray last night. and We were texting each other back and forth, and he's come down with something viral, something that's um, the enemy's trying to take his voice, amen, during this prayer and fast time. And then we were this morning, last night, a couple of days ago, I don't know what's going on with me, but I had this pain under my left rib when I breathed in, and I did some uh, searching online, and I was so fearful that it was a kidney stone or something, and it kind of moved to my left of my back, amen. And then I came in this morning, and during the prayer time, John and, and Dave, our drummer, said, you know, John said, Randy, I need you to pray for me. Something's going on right here. I said, you, you, you talk to my wife, you know, because that's where my pain was. And Dave says, uh, you know, the drums are going to be, you know, I'm not on my A game this morning. My back is hurting. Do you see the pattern, church? Do you see the pattern? And the enemy's trying to come to derail. The enemy's coming to try to trip up and derail what he wants to do. And what he's trying to do is get the focus, amen, the focus and work. Where does, the, where does the stronghold start? Right here. The stronghold starts in the mind, and the enemy's trying to get a hold of our minds to desensitize us and get our focus off the things of God for the next 21 days. We're not going to have any of, we're gonna, not gonna have any of that, saith the Lord, because he says... You know, God is amazing. He, when he gives me prophetic words for individuals or the church, he usually gives them in three simple words, three-word segments. And I said, wow, and I started to look up the scriptures, and there's so many just little snapshots, three words that can be so powerful. Like this morning when Jesus said, it is finished. Those are three powerful words, church. And he gave me another, another word for this church. He gave me the word, spring is here. Everyone say that with me. Spring is here. I don't like to come down here. I like to stay up there because I'm only 5'8". So I know, I'm not sure if you're going to be able to see me. But I just felt the Lord wanted me to come down and say to you that spring is here. And the reasons why our prayers were so powerful this morning, the reason why our prayers were so effective this morning is because Isaiah said, the prophet Isaiah said, or no, it wasn't Isaiah that said this, but the word says that the prayers of what? A righteous man, a righteous woman availeth much. And what's happening is we are sowing seeds of righteousness Throughout the year 2013, and God is saying in 2014, spring is here. 
Spring is in the air. I was going down Garland. I was going down 78. We see all the dead limbs and the brown grass. And I love spring because that's when things are growing. That's when the buds come out. That's where life is vibrant. Amen. And God is saying in 2014, spring is a coming. Spring is coming. And let's turn real quick. This isn't even part of my message. Amen. So I hope you came with your uh, 1230 shoes on this morning because... We may have to go somewhere, and we may need to give God some room. Can you say amen? Isaiah 61. I've been chewing on this. If you ever read Isaiah 61, you know that this is just packed, packed with goodness. This is packed with good news, and it's all good news, amen? You know why it's good news? Because he's on the throne and we're not. That's why it's good news. If we were on the throne, and amen, we do this in the spirit all the time. I do this. My flesh man does this. I kick God off the throne, and I try to get up there. And then it it just becomes a mess. But Isaiah 61, in verse uh, 10, I'll start. It says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. And then it goes down in verse 11, and I'm reading from the New King James. It says this, and I love, this is the scripture the Lord gave me a couple of days ago for this church. For as the earth brings forth its bud, and as the garden causes the things that are sown, people have been sowing. There's been some sowing going on behind the scenes. And we've been frustrated because we haven't seen the fruit. But I'm here to tell you, by the word of the Lord, that the fruit's coming. The buds are coming. And this is the part that is great. As the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, sow the Lord. Everyone say, sow the Lord. See, this is nothing that we're going to do. We're not going to do any of this. It's going to be the Lord that does it. Our part was we sowed. That was our part. It says, so the Lord God will cause what? Righteousness. This is why our prayers are being answered. Not because we feel righteous. I don't wake up every morning, my wife, don't say amen to this. I am not righteous all the time. Okay? But that does not dismiss what God has to say about each and every one of you. You're righteous because he's righteous. And if God lives in you, greater works will you do. Amen? So the Lord says, I'm going to do this thing, paraphrasing, and I'm going to cause righteousness, my righteousness, and what? Praise to spring forth before all the nations. Can you say amen? Amen. Our mouths, and Karen said, others have said it many times. This is our part of the battle, church. His part is the righteousness. We're righteous because he says we're righteous. So there's nothing we have to add or remove or tweak or manipulate, you are righteous. You say, well, I'm not walking right. Then walk in righteousness. Then receive it and praise his name. So spring in the Bible has to do with righteousness prevailing because of things that we have sown and praise. And here's the thing. You can't praise. Mm. Thinking about you, Lord. Mm. You've got to open your mouth. It doesn't matter if you squawk like a duck. It doesn't matter. The heavenly angels hear you differently than you do anyways. And if we can't do it here on earth, guess what we're going to do in heaven? 
praise 24-7, church. Can, can you get ready for some 24-7 action? Okay? In the book of Revelation, I think it's around chapter 5 or 6, it talks about two symbolic elements, the basin, and that represents our prayers, and the harp. We're going to be praying and singing 24-7. Amen. How many can say with new bodies? Amen. No more tears. No more nothing. But this, so this is our practice ground. This is the preliminary so what we're, of what we're going to do. Amen. So I want you to receive that this morning and say, My soul shall be joyful in the Lord. Because spring, yes, thank you. My soul shall be joyful in the Lord. My soul. Why does it say my soul? It says your soul because your spirit man's already saved. It's your soul man that needs to be saved. Amen. And my soul man, I don't know about yours, but my soul man needs to be saved every day. Every day. Amen. Amen. God is good. God is good. So, all the time. So, I want to talk to you about the word that the Lord gave me for today is something that is not a, it's not a ramble word in the sense that he gave it to me last week or even last month. Um, or even three months ago, but this was something that God did in me, you know, amen? We, we talk a lot about, about what God did for me, and I appreciate my brother James, because we were in a meeting several weeks ago, and we were just sharing, the leadership was sharing, sharing and Pastor Ray asked us what God was doing, and most of us talked about what God was doing, the things he was doing, amen? And James recognized that the greatest work he did was in me. He said he changed my heart. And that's what I want to share with you this morning. It's a testimony, yes, and it's a story and a timeline about Karen and my, and our, my family's journey back to Texas, amen? But it's more than just a testimony. I want you to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying this morning. It's really a testimony, not of a timeline and something that God did for us and for me, but something he did in me. And what it was, and hopefully if time permits, we'll see that what it was ultimately was an orphan spirit. It was a spirit that, although on the outward I could fool the best of them, but it was a spirit that inwardly was full of fear, full of the intimidation of man, not being able to let go and let God. That's something they say in the rooms, in the AA rooms, in the 12-step programs, let go and let God. That's biblical, amen? That's biblical. So it's just so much more of what he did for us I want the concentration to be this morning about what Jesus and his Holy Spirit did in me. He did an inward work. He did a work, and we've talked about the heart this morning, and we've talked about the issue of blood this morning, and what God did in me is really nothing more than turning my heart from a heart of stone into a heart of flesh, and that's what he wants to do to us. That's what he wants to do. He's, he's really concerned, church, about our hearts. Okay? It's all great on what he's doing for us. But our praise and our righteousness and this spring coming forth has to be representative of just who he is. Not what he's done and not what he's going to do. I was talking to Pastor Ray a couple of weeks ago and David, 
And I said, if God didn't do another thing for you, if he didn't do another thing for you, would you serve him? Would you still praise him? That's a hard question to answer. But the reality of the gospel has to be in our lives. The rea- and that's what I'm finding out. The, the, the days of playing church and the days of coming in and putting my smile on my face. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm dying inside, but I'm doing great. Those days are over. We're going to get real. We're going to get real. Can you say amen? So let's pray. Father God, Lord, I know you've done so much already. God, I know you are just ministering to your people. I just pray right now for Pastor Ray, Lord, that whatever ailment's upon him in Jesus' name, it would be loosed. Father God, his voice would not be affected, Lord, for your glory and goodness, Lord. Father God, I just pray against the attack of the enemy. We're going to put you on the throne this morning, Lord. We're not going to focus on the thing and the schemes from the enemy because we know that he can't do anything. His leash is only so long, saith the Lord. And we know that a lot of times you allow it in order to to realign, Lord, our spirit man, to realign our soul man and, and to have authority in our lives, Father God. I just thank you for what you've already done. I thank you what you're going to do, but I also just thank you for who you are. I just thank you for who you are this morning. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. 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 So, as a matter of introduction, like I said, I don't want this to be a story about us moving back to Texas. But the, the word that he's placed in me is really about a story about listening to the right voice. Listening to the right voice. For so many years, I listened to the wrong radio station. I was listening to WIIFM. Does everybody know what WIIFM is? What's in it for me? Amen. I've been listening to the wrong tune and the static and the white noise. And God is saying it's time to change the channel. It's time to change the channel. So many of you know we lived here from 2003 to 2010, 11-ish. And if I get the story, it it doesn't matter the dates, it really doesn't. So even if I get it wrong, praise God, it's okay. Because that's not the message this morning. But we were here from 2003 to 2010, 2011, and my job brought us down here. My job, my vocation was uh, was the conduit in which we got down here for the first time. And praise God, we were used, we loved the Lord, we came and we, we, we served faithfully in the house. And during the time we were down here, God really, really used that time to minister to my wife. And even in the last year of us being here, there was a divine appointment and God just healed her and there was a deliverance message. And I just, I just kept coming and we kept being patient, amen. But there was something... There was something that was attached to me that could not be loose for whatever reason. God works the way God wants to work. And a lot of times we try to cut, copy, and paste what the Lord does in our life, and we try to just drag it and clip it onto John and Kathy and whomever, right? And God's going to work the way God wants to work. And, and some would say, and even my former, some people that I know said, oh, you made a mistake going back. No, I didn't. No, we didn't. Because what God did in me through that two years of the valley 
was the most profound thing he did in my 20-year walk with him because it got real, because I gave him the opportunity, the opportunity to be in control. Now, I know we've heard that God's in control, but I'm here to tell you that God, a lot of times, is not in control. We're in control. He's in charge. And I, I, hear, hear what I'm saying. He's not in control always, but he is in charge. Anybody here in management? Anybody have any children between the ages of 15 and 19? Praise God. How many know you're not in control? But you are in charge. You are in charge. I've, I've uh, been managed over 20, 30 people at a time, and I can tell you, I am not in control. But I am in charge. The control we need to yield to the Lord. He's not going to come. He's not going to pull us by the hair, amen? But we have to yield that control to him. And for the very, very, very first time, I felt like I literally got saved about a year ago because for the very first time, I allowed him into an area of my life that was so tight-fisted that my knuckles were white. And how many know that unless we're willing to open our hands and surrender them to the Lord, then he can anoint. Then he can anoint. The spikes could not be driven through Christ's hands if he was like this. He opened up his heart and his will. God is wanting our will, church. And it's not kids. It's not. It's not so you won't have fun. He wants to fill you with such stuff that can blow your mind. You're not missing out on anything. Don't be like me, wait until you're 32 to serve the Lord. Go for God now, and He will blow your mind how fun and practical it is to serve the Lord. Amen? So, I went to Pastor Ray in 2010, and we... uh, the company that I worked for for 18 years needed, needed, this, needed me back. Needed back in the natural. They said, what we need you to do, you have to, become, you have to come up to corporate. And, uh, and we prayed and fasted and felt that uh, the season and the timing was right to go back. Amen. We just we heard from the Lord. We stepped out in what we believed to be the word of the Lord. And we moved back. And everything that they connected with us going back was what I had been wanting and striving for for almost 20 years. I, uh, my, my, my overall compensation package went up 20-30%. I was barely a high school grad making well into six figures. I had strived and climbed the corporate ladder for ever since I was with the company. Um, as the owner would say to me, your stock is rising in this company. It's what I wanted. I wanted to, and, and don't get me wrong, we are to provide for our families. And I knew enough of the word of God to be able to spin it, right, and kind of sprinkle it with the word and use some scriptures to my benefit. David, hey man, had a word about five years ago, manipulating the Holy Spirit. I knew enough. I knew enough to fool myself, providing for my family, giving them opportunities. God wants me to give them my best, you know, and I, I did that. 
and we were up there, and I was making money. We lived on an acre and a half, a beautiful home in the country, surrounded by woods, and we had a pool and a hot tub, and oh, it was just going great. Everything was going exactly how I had planned it. I had planned it. What was in it for me, W-I-I-F-M. It was awesome. It was great. It was cool. And then weeks, months, a year went on. I, uh, I lost my peace. I, uh, I didn't understand what was going on. We were, it was very difficult to find a church. Um, we finally went back to the church that we were going to when we were there uh, when we got saved and when we served the Lord before we even moved to Texas in 2003 out of what I believe to be just, you know, we might as well go back there. I mean, it's better than nothing kind of mentality. And uh, we tried to plug in. We did. We really tried to just go for God in that house, and it just wasn't happening. And I had lost, I became fearful. Um, the, the, the company was, I was in a spirit of manipulation. There was, there was so, so much fear in me of losing what I had agreed to, amen, that it was just, my, inwardly, it was like a, a storm. It was like, a, it was like a storm inwardly. And I went and I said, it was about 2000, um, I don't know, 12. It was around the February, January, February time frame when I was in my office. And um, I said, I just... I, I just didn't know what to do. Inwardly, I was confused. I was very, for the first time in my walk, I was, I was like, God, what's going on? Um, this is just, this, this, now I just got to go, it sucks. I mean, you just kind of call it like it is. It was horrible. I had, I had zero peace. There was zero anointing. There was zero peace. My kids weren't being fed. My wife, I wasn't being fed. How many know you, you're going to run on empty pretty soon? You know, if you're not fed, that's why midweek services, life groups, pre-service prayer, church, I, it's so important. We need to get our batteries recharged. We just can't go months on end and come to the, you know, I don't know how people do it. I've been saved 20 years and I can't do it. I don't know how people do it. I need to be fed. I need to be, I need my vessel to be filled with his goodness and his promises. Amen. So I was sitting there and then it dawned on me. I'm in my office at 6.15 in the morning, I was usually the first one in, and I was sitting in my office, and all of a sudden, the Lord brought me to a scripture that ever since I, and you, this, this, it's the story of the son, church, and for so many years, I read that scripture as a story about an unsaved, backsliding, you know, I really, you attach a certain, you know, history around the story in the gospel, and I always viewed that as some kind of a backsliding, heathen, going to hell in a handbasket type guy, and it's not that at all. It's not that at all. It's about somebody who's just not yielding and giving God control, and it's also, so let's turn there uh, for a few minutes. Let's open up to the book of Luke. Amen. I'm reading for the New King James Version. Let's, uh, let's read this story, because this was the first part. And like I said, I know I talked a lot about how I got there. Um, so, but don't, don't lock your horns on that this morning, amen. This is about God 
touching our hearts and showing us that what he wants for us, if we give him control and yield our lives to him, he's going to do some amazing things. I have already seen, church, I am not the same man I was six months ago. I'm telling you, I'm not. And I don't say that in boastful or pride or conceit. What I'm saying is, I've seen the revelation of the Father. He is downloading at rapid speed. I upgraded from Comcast to 30 megabits per second to 60, amen? The upload and the download is really cool, and I'm stealing that from David so you can thank him for it. But it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. It's down. I'm praying for people now, and it's just natural. It's just coming. It's just natural because of the anointing and the mantling that comes as we truly follow him and give him our lives, amen? So let's, there's three things I want to key on in this story. And like I said, this is not, this, the, the Bible never says that this guy was a backslider heathen. All it says was he gathered together and journeyed there and wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Okay? The, the word prodigal means unsaved, but it wasn't him that was unsaved. There was prodigal living. His lifestyle was prodigal. Okay? So hear what the Lord says this morning. Here, this is what he said to me at 6.15 in an open office. I'm on top of the world, saints. I got money. I got bonuses, provision, house, country. Things are smooth, so I thought. And the Lord brought me to this picture when I asked him, God, what is going on with me? Am I, am I bipolar? Am I going through a, not a midlife, am I going through an upper end crisis? What's going on? And he says, read this scripture. Then he said, Jesus, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. Everybody here has a portion from the Lord. But it's in his timing. The Lord spoke this to me. There are three positions we take in Christ when it comes to our portion. We run away from God. We run ahead of God. Or we're in His sovereign will. And when I came to myself, I recognized the fact that it wasn't the portion that wasn't mine. It just wasn't mine for then. I didn't like to hear that, amen. Have you ever read the scripture and you say, I don't receive that, Lord? Okay? We're not talking about a la carte Christianity. I want the steak and I want the mashed potatoes, but I don't want the broccoli and the lima beans, amen? He wants us to have the lima beans, church. He wants us to have that. And I was running ahead, amen? Running ahead of God. So when you do your spiritual checkup and take your spiritual pulse, ask yourself the question. Am I running away from God? Am I running ahead of God? Or am I on in his sovereign will? And I'll be honest, that's not an easy question to answer all the time. And this is why the accountability and the apostolic covering is so important. So you can seek godly counsel and ask those questions and not make the decision and then go. And that's what I did. Amen? And then it says, it goes on and it says in verse 13 that he gathered all. Boy, is that what I did. I gathered all. Come on, we're going back to Mass. I gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, 
and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. And even though there wasn't an outwardly prodigal living that I did, I wasn't in a pornography, I wasn't going to the bars, I wasn't doing any of those things, but inside the striving mentality and the orphan spirit was so prevalent. It was like my, my it's like, you know, the flesh and the spirit man were really at ought with each other. It was amazing. I would say this, but do this. And Paul says that, right? I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I ought to do. And that's what was going on internally with me. And then it goes, and it says, but in verse 14, but when he had spent all, there arose a fam, severe famine in the land. And it says, and he began to be in want. That's where I was, church. 18 years saved, serving the Lord, worship leader in Massachusetts, preaching, teaching, all the outward stuff was there. But I began to be in want. Have you ever been to the place where you're in want, spiritually speaking? I was so in want, I was like, what is going on? And it was at that moment that the Lord said, now, now I can do something. Now I can begin to reveal to you my goodness, my word, and you're going to receive it because you're in a place of desperation. You're in a place that says, Lord, I need you. I need you so much. I need you. My kids, my wife, my marriage, everything is like, there's this, this like Bermuda Triangle situation going on, and I don't understand it. And God said, now. Now I'm going to touch you. Couldn't do that in Texas. There was too much good stuff going on in the outward. Couldn't do it there. Had to get you back to the land so I can begin to see what situation is going on there. And that was when, and now keep in mind, up to this point, I had not talked to my wife about what was going on, okay? This was something inward. Now, I know she had been praying about it probably for 20 years, right? That God would touch my heart. But I wasn't sharing with her any of this because it was just so foreign to me. I had to kind of get, I had to get kind of this situation kind of under control, you know? And then I began, and keep in mind, I had not reached out to Pastor Ray, and this is something that I wish I could go back and change. But So we're now in Massachusetts for a year and a half. You know, this is why it's so important when you leave a church or you move or take on a new job that you really have the mind of Christ. Because my intentions were, it wasn't my intentions, but the reality was, in my mindset, of do, in the prodigal living, and in my mindset of striving and that orphan spirit, the relationships weren't the important thing to me. I could just compartmentalize that. Yep, that was for, dwelt on this mountain long enough, going over here. And that's not the heart of the Father. God's about the people. God's about love. And I just am amazed that everything I did for God before that wasn't clanging symbols, because I was not operating out of a spirit of love. It was a spirit of self. It was a spirit of what's in it for me. 
So at that point, I reached out and I, I emailed Pastor Ray. And keep in mind, I hadn't been in contact with him for about a year and a half. And I sent him a real long, <laughs> how many know when you, <laughs> when you get to the place where you're like spent, you just bleh, you know, just bleh. So, and Pastor Ray is so patient, he's so good, and he just, I just, I don't know how many pages this email was, but in his discernment, he picked out the parts, right, that were the keys to the kingdom, amen, and he asked me a question that was really the question that I brought before the Lord that changed my life, and he asked me, he said, He said, where's home? And I, I, that, it was a foreign question to me. Well, I live in Madden. He says, no, where's home? Where do you belong? Where's home? And I began to weep in my office. And I began to cry out to God because I knew the answer. But I didn't know how it was going to happen. And for the first time in my life, and in my walk with the Lord, I knew where home was. And home, I'm talking the spiritual home, amen? Yeah. I knew right away, the Lord quickened to my spirit what the answer was. But I wasn't sure I was ready to, A, hear the answer, and B, I wasn't sure I was up to the task of what, what his solution was. It was odd. And he asked me that question, and that's when, over a course of time, we made the decision, we're Texans, amen, we're coming home. And when I made that profession, when I verbalized that, and when I began to share with my wife, now keep in mind, this stuff usually would be through my wife's kind of nudging me, saying, hey, do you think we should be here? Do you think we should do this? Do you think we should go there? So she was kind of blown away by the fact that this one was coming through me. She didn't initiate any of this stuff. God himself, Jehovah Jireh, was coming into my boat and saying, no, I'm speaking to you now. So I shared this with my wife, and we, and we prayed, and, and it was just, it just it felt right. It felt right, and the peace immediately began to come back, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. So anyways, we made a decision, amen, we're coming back to Texas, we're going back home, all right? And boy, let me tell you, this feels like home. This feels like home. I may be a, born in a Democrat, liberal Massachusetts, Catholicism state, but praise God, I'm a conservative, liberal, tongue-talking, devil-chasing believer, amen? Woo! Yes, can you say amen? So he asked me, where's home? So then, we, we make the decision, and guess what happens? All hell breaks loose. <laughs> Can you say amen, right? We're going to pray and fast. Yes, pray guys. I got sick. My car broke down. The tire's flat, right? Uh, right? We're in the will of God. Amen. Let's just call it for what it is. We're in the will of God, right? So all hell breaks loose. So now, I got to go to my boss. Right, even you know, 2008, 2009, 2010. I mean, I think the economy's. You know, I don't want to talk about the economy, but it seems to be a little bit, at least in manufacturing, the upswing. But back then, it was still pretty, pretty, uh, pretty rough. So it wasn't a great time to, you know, praise God, go find a new job. Right. So I had gone to my boss, who I've known for 
you know, it's a family-owned business. I went to Ladd and Dawn, and I told them what, uh, what was going on. Not, you know, the things of the spirit are foolishness to the world, right? But in the natural and just talking nuts and bolts about the job, I uh, went to them. Uh, they weren't happy. They said, listen, we need you up here. We brought you back up here because your stock is up. I said, yeah, I really don't, I don't, I don't care about the stock. They said, what? Because keep in mind, the relationship I've had with them was very close. They manipulated, there was a, a cross-manipulation going on for years to when they were like, but this is what you've been talking about you've wanted forever. What do you mean you want to go back to Texas? You know, are you, are you going through, do you need medication? Do you need a, do, we have an EPA program, amen. We have an employee assistant EAP program. Do you need some help? And I said, no, yeah, I need some help, but, but uh, it's nothing you can do for me. And uh, so anyways, we went through that, and there were some tough conversations because I was trying to do it in a way that it was a win-win for everybody. Once again, trying to kind of steer the ship, right? I will make my plans. He directs my steps. And uh, so anyways, it just wasn't going well. Our house wasn't selling. I couldn't get another, I couldn't get the job. My job was on the line. Everything was, was happening. And then finally, we came to the agreement in the business that they said, well, we don't want to lose you. You're a key employee, but you're going to take a hit going back. If this is what you want for you and your family, we're going to allow it. They said, we're going to allow it. See, so still that string, string mentality. There was still a little puppet master going on. We're going to allow it, but you're going to take a 17% cut in pay. Oh, and by the way, the bonus program that made up a lot of my compensation package, you're not part of the, we just don't need you in Texas, so you're not part of the bonus structure anymore. So that 17% wound up being about 34%. And I said, well, Lord, um, you know, you called us back there, whatever it takes. You know, um, you'll provide, you're my fortress, you're my security. So I was still conversing with Pastor Ray throughout this whole time, and I was taking a walk around the, um, the neighborhood that we lived in, which I did many times before, not as often as I should, but I, I was taking this walk, and this walk, uh, particular day, I remember like it was yesterday, I was walking, and I said, Lord... What is going on? I mean, Pastor Ray and I had conversations on the phone like, geez, maybe this, I mean, we really had some truthful conversations. Maybe this isn't the Lord. You know, maybe this is, and I said, Ray, I know that I know that I know. You know, maybe he just, maybe he so wanted you to come to yourself, and maybe that was just a revelation. And so we're, we're just seeking the Lord, and I know Carol and John and others were seeking the Lord on our behalves. And I was taking this walk around the neighborhood, and I was just crying out. I said, Lord, why isn't this happening? Why are there so many obstacles? Things started happening to our house. We had our house on the market. All of a sudden, I got a leak in the roof, and it's coming through the ceiling. And all of a sudden, the floor starts tilting this way. And I'm like, no, we've got to show the house. And I'm like, what's going on? And God came down from heaven and asked me a question. And how many have ever asked the Lord or anybody else a question, and they answer it with a question? I don't know about you, but I hate that. No? David, how are you doing today? How are you doing today? No, I, just, I asked you a question. 
How many have ever cried out to the Lord and asked him a question and he comes back and asks you a question? That's the way God works. So I'm crying out to the Lord. I'm saying, Lord, why? What's going on? My house isn't selling. I, I have no moving expenses. And keep in mind, when Jesus told the rich young ruler to sell all, man, I'm telling you, I put my finances on the line on this. And I'm not saying it to give glory. I'm just trying to explain the situation here. It was desperation time. So I'm crying out to the Lord, and I'm asking him, Lord, what is going on? And he asked me a question. He says, do you want to be made well? I said, yeah, sure I do, Lord. And he asked me again. Do you want to be made well? Yes, Lord, for the second time. Yes, I want to be made well. And now all of a sudden I'm getting this, uh, there was a Peter thing going on there. You know, you're not going to ask me a third time, are you? And all of a sudden, here it comes. He says, do you want to be made well? And I screamed out. I'm walking. Right, around the neighborhood, okay, people see me driving their cars, amen. I just screamed, yes, in desperation. And he says, leave your nets. Leave your nets. Around that time, Sister Carol gave me a book. And Carol, I just bless you for responding to the Lord and giving me that book, the, the book, the Orphan Spirit book. I can't remember if that was the name of it. But during that time, I was reading this book, and it was, it, the book changed. It changed my mindset. It brought such revelation of what was going on inside of me and what the root problem was. The root problem was there was a spirit, <coughs> excuse me, an orphan spirit that on the outward just on the outward, emulated such a boldness and a confidence and a, and, a, and a spirit of going places and just type A and all this. And on the inside, I was full of fear. I was full of not wanting to let go and let God and let God be God. I was tight-fisted, and my compartmental mentality was not allowing God to have every aspect of my life. Every single compartment, component, room of my life because I was striving and I was allowing people manipulation to fill my heart with fear and I wouldn't let go. And I wouldn't let go. When he said, leave your nets, he brought me to this scripture. And let's turn there. And I, I promise, I'm, I'm going to try. I know the playoffs are going on, but amen. We need to let God have his way this morning. San Francisco, you're going to have to wait. Carolina, you're going to have to wait. He brought me to Matthew chapter 4. And this is the one he brought me to. And there's another, there's another scripture and another gospel that talks about this as well. You know, we talk a lot. When we talk about the things of God and we get excited for God, we talk a lot about possessing, right? We talk, a lot, we talk a lot about laying hold of things. We talk a lot about attaining, and what do I got to do to get this? And the reality is, the very, very beginning thing we may have to do is leave something. It's a scripture. It's connected with covenant. 
and it's connected with, with relationship. Amen. The, the husband and the wife, right? Leave and cleave. And God was asking me to leave something that was very difficult because it was really something that spoke about my identity. It spoke about my security. It talked to my inner man. Men, how many know? It talked about who I was as a man and what made up me as a man. And so many of those things is about what we, we know this. When women get together, they're chatting for 20 minutes. They don't even know each other. Men are, <clears throat> what do you do for a living? <clears throat> yeah, I, uh, I'm a truck driver. What do you do? It's, it's all set, this focus on what we do instead of who we are. And God is saying, Randy, I'm coming on you to change you into whom I've made you to be. But there needs to be a willingness. And I got to the place where I came to myself, not, not out of my own efforts, I just came to a point of desperation. I got to the point where I was enough. It was, I was sick of playing church. I was so sick of coming on and putting on, you know, dressing up and putting on the slickness and the, and the prophetic and the tongues and all this. And inwardly I was saying, God, I'm a wreck. God, I'm a wreck. And he says, leave your net. So we know. Let's go to Matthew. Let's go to the Word now. Matthew 4.18. This is Jesus, right? And Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee, uh, Galilee saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea. And you've got to understand this. There wasn't a lot of, there wasn't Chick-fil-A back then. There wasn't a lot of professions back then, Right? The net, this was their profession. This made up who they were and how they provided for their families. You know, you were probably either a tent maker, right? You were a fisherman. You were a, you were a tax collector, right? There wasn't any uh, eBay and all these other things to do. There wasn't a lot of ways to provide for your family. So these guys are casting their net and how they provided for their family and their identity of who they were. They're casting that thing out to the sea, because it says, for they were fishermen. This is what they did. This is who they were. Their security was found on whether they were going to get that fish for that day. And then he said to them, if you can understand that, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now I want you to understand, the first time that word follow is used, it's talking about following, meaning come hither, meaning come here. I'm going somewhere. Follow me. Like a dog follows his master. Follow me. That's what this word means. The next time he uses the word, it's not the same meaning. So he said, he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately, everyone say immediately. immediately. Now I'm going to jack with you a little bit, because the word immediately in the Greek does not always mean immediately. It says... In the Greek, it means soon. It can mean immediately, but it can also mean soon. Now, that gives me comfort, because I don't know about you, but when God said to me, leave your net, I'm not going to, oh yeah, you know, I didn't dive in up to my neck, you know, in the spirit. I said, whoa, hey, 
Let me think about this for a second. Let me count these costs. But soon, immediately, soon, the Bible says they left their nets. Why does this thing go? I got my iPad going on here. And he said they immediately left their nets and followed him. Now, this word follow is not talking about coming behind. This word he followed them was to accompany. So first you've got to go after something, and then after he, uh, the, the Peter and they went after something, now he's just saying, now the relationship, and saying, no, I don't want you to just walk behind me. I want you to walk with me. I want you to accompany me in what I have for you. Amen? And he says, going from there, he saw two other brothers. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. So now they're casting, now they're mending, they're fixing it, right? They're mending their nets, and he called them. And immediately, or soon, right, they left their boat. So now we're just not leaving nets here. Now we're leaving boats, and we're leaving a relationship. Now we're leaving a father. God sometimes will call us, amen, not only just, and this isn't about, I'm not preaching and prophesying for you to everybody to quit their job today. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is there was a net that God meant when he's in our boat to launch out, right? But what God was telling me was this net has got you. What is a net? A net is to trap or to entangle something. And this job and this focus and me striving, this was my net. This was my net. And it wasn't only a net. There was a boat and a Zebedee and a father and a relationship with this company that I worked for. He was saying, man, I need you to leave it all. Leave it all on the table. And I'm going to blow upon it. So there was a level of trust that needed to take place here. We all know the scripture in Proverbs 3, 5, that it says, trust the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. There are, if, you, if you've walked with the Lord for any length of time, there will come a time where God will ask you to do something that does not make sense. There is going to be a time where it does not line up. When I began to tell my father in Florida... Well, God, an unbeliever now, so the things of the Spirit's foolishness to him to begin with, so we're probably already getting off on the wrong slate on this conversation. But I told him all that was going on and what, what, what God was doing. And, and he, you know, so I told him the story. And he says, Randy, I don't understand. I said, what you, don't you understand, Dad? He goes, you're putting your job on the line. You've been with for 20 years. You're making more money. Now you're taking a cut in pay. They're telling you your job on the line. Your house isn't selling. You've got water leaks in your roof. You can't get another mortgage because the VA won't give you another mortgage. You've got no place to live, and you're calling me to tell me how exciting of a time this is in your life. I don't get it. it and he, my dad said this to me. It sounds stupid. And I said, well, then praise God. It must be the Lord. So just because 
the, the things of the Spirit are just such foolishness. To the th- Not that I use that as a fleece or anything to just say, amen, it's the Lord. But it, all it did was confirm, confirm, amen, that sometimes we have to get to the point where we are willing not to lean on our own understanding. And we need to allow God to be in control. Amen? Amen. Amen. Wow. 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 So then, the miracles come. Then God says, all right, you came to yourself. You want to be made well. You're willing to leave your net. You're willing to forsake all. And I mean, these are the kind of words and testimonies that are right in the scriptures. And God doesn't want us to read this stuff like it's some historic event, right? I didn't realize that I had a condition. I had a condition, and it was a condition of the heart. And God was trying to do some surgery, amen. Then he said, go. Everyone say go. 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 I love that word, go. I love the word, but, too. Because in the scriptures, I'm not talking about that, but. What I'm talking about is when God uses the word, but, in scriptures, he's going to do something awesome. No temptation has overtaken you, but God. I love the but God messages. I also like the go messages. Everybody turn in your Bibles, and I'm going to wrap up here shortly. Everybody go to John Chapter 9. I'm excited this morning, amen? He's on the throne. He's not only in charge, but I'm letting him be in control. Amen. Changing the radio station, amen. John chapter 9, and you know, all know the story. The man who was blind from birth, <clears throat> then the, the rabbi who sinned, and it goes on. And down in verse 6, it says, When he had said these things, he spat on the ground, and he made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay, and he said to them, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent, and he went and washed and came back seeing. And here's what God is saying. Deliverance is nothing we do. Deliverance is unto the Lord. How many here have ever made an altar call and you come up and the power of God and the anointing and the elders and the leaders are praying and there's such an awesome presence and there's a sensation like God has done something. And then we walk outside the church and Monday morning we're right back where we were. Here's the thing. Deliverance is the Lord's job. Walking in the victory is what we do. Walking in the... Jesus said, go. He anointed, Jesus himself anointed the man with eyes. He still was blind. But he said, go. Go, wash yourself. We play a part in this. So God said to me, in Massachusetts, leave your nets. And all this stuff was going on, and it wasn't happening the way we thought it was going to happen. We thought God was just going to open up this big door. 
amen, and we were just going to walk through it and not get hit on either side. It wasn't that way, church. But then God said, go. And I said, but God, this hasn't, I, I, these, are the ducks that, these are the ducks that are lined up. This has to happen, then this has to happen. And he said, go. We pulled, and I'm, t- I'm here to tell you, this is not an exaggeration. Our house was on the market, okay? We finally did, praise God, we, we came up, that was a miracle in itself, with the down payment to get another, a second mortgage down here, okay? So we've got everything. Everything's maxed out. Everything's on the line. The whole credibility in the financial world is blowing up, amen, at least from looking at Randy Kinnear. And we're pulling out of the driveway. House has been on the market for, what, four, five, I don't know how many months, Karen. And he says, go. We pull out of the driveway on a 32-hour drive back to Texas, okay? Have no idea how this is going to work out. We pull over after maybe an hour, hour and a half. If you ever have a lot of kids, try to get on the same sink with going to the bathroom. It's really tough to make a long journey like that if everybody's times and clocks and watches are not in sync. So we pull over to this McDonald's to go to the bathroom. Karen's in there with uh, Rebecca. I got the boys. We're grabbing some dollar menu. I get into the car. I get a text. House is sold under contract. Karen comes out, I tell her, she's like, wow. But here's the thing, we've got to step out. You know, so many times we say, God, I'm waiting on you, God, I need you to, and he says, I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you to walk out, amen, in faith. Go, wash yourself. Stop coming down to the altar and asking him for the deliverance that you already possess. Walk in the victory, saith the Lord. Amen. Wow. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to stop there. Just going to stop there. Got a lot of notes. You're going to have to read the book. I'm actually only half joking there. I, I don't say this to boast, but the Lord actually confirmed through three people since I've been here that I'm going to write a book. And I don't want to write a book. I can be, you know, I don't know. I've got so much family. That you, I don't want to write a book. God says write a book. And it's going to, the book's going to be titled uh, Leaving Your Nets. And it'll be filled with all a bunch of detail that... Um, I hope you heard the word of the Lord this morning. I hope you heard that this wasn't just a story about Randy Kinnear and his family coming back to Texas. But God is going after our hearts. He's asking, asking us not only to follow him as he's up there. He's asking us to follow him and accompany him in the work of the Lord and what he has. And I'm here to tell you, he wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think in Jesus' name. You kids are the next generation. You guys are going to thrive. You guys are going to go places in the Lord. You know why? Because his word declares it. As you trust and put your focus and your energy in him, and as you ensure that your security, okay, and your identity is in him, is in him. Father God, let's bow our heads. Lord, I just, uh, wow.
Wow, you're amazing, Lord. Wow, you're so good. You're so good. Lord, I just, I don't know, Lord. Only you know, God, what, what our nets are. Lord, only you know what we're to do and go and say. But Father God, I just pray right now, Lord, that we would recognize, Lord. Is there any mixture, Lord? Is there anything, Lord, that represents a spirit that is not the spirit of a son, the spirit of a daughter? God, is there perhaps a, uh, something that has gripped us with fear and an inability, Lord, to, to focus, Lord, on what you need us to do? God, I just pray, Lord, that you would, Lord, give us ears to hear what you're saying this morning. Maybe there's a relationship that is not bearing fruit because it's just not fruitful, Lord. It's, not, it's a relationship that is uh, got a lot of idle talk going on. Lord, it's, uh, it, 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 they're in our boat, Lord, and they shouldn't be, Lord. Father God, I just, I don't know what it is, Lord. It could be, it could be a situation of just striving or trying to add or remove from the word. Lord, I don't know what it is, but you do. And God, I just pray that this word would go forth and minister to your people. God, I just pray that we would understand that we're coming into a season of spring. Lord, we're coming into a season of greatness. Lord, we're coming into a season where you're really trying to turn our hearts from a heart of stone into a heart of flesh, Lord. Lord, I pray against every person, uh, Lord, every thought that would tell them that they don't belong, Father God, in the kingdom of God, and I pray we embrace sonship and daughtership this morning. Lord, I just thank you, God. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, James Gosselin. Can everybody bow your head, please? Close your eyes. Tonight, or today, Jesus has been knocking on somebody's heart and saying, it's time to follow me. You know it in your heart. It's time to leave that boat. It's time to leave that net. It's time to make a declaration saying, I choose to follow you, Jesus. And he will take you right where you're at. You don't have to clean up and be perfect. Now, if you feel that knocking on your heart, I want you to have the boldness to raise your hand right now. We're going to pray for you. Right now, raise your hand. Now, Jesus is taking your hand. And he's saying, follow me. And he's putting his arm around you, brother. And it's a new day. It's a new day. I want you to pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I surrender. I've tried it on my own. And it's not working. And I leave my nets. And I follow you. You are now a son or a daughter 
and the kingdom of God. You have been adopted into this family. You have been adopted in. And as we, as we uh, break up here and as the music plays, if you would like to come down and talk to somebody, one of us up here, about that decision, we're here for you. But you are now part of this family. If you didn't feel like you could raise your hand, that's okay. You can still come down and talk to us. If there are those that have been walking with Christ, just like Randy, and you're feeling that knocking on your heart, just like, man, I, there's just something not right, not fulfilled. This is a word to this, to this body. Come down and talk to Randy and get some prayer. Amen. So as the music plays, if you want to come down and pray with us, we'll be here.